0: I don't understand. I'm helping a lot of people. I mean a lot of people, but I'm still broke. Today's process is this. The help trap and the entitlement mindset. Sit back, relax. Let's light the lantern. Well, hello there, Rangers. Wade Skalski here, lawyer, online entrepreneur, and your guide to the understory. Because this place is filled with monsters and bandits, here comes your first warning. Although I am a lawyer. This podcast is not for legal advice. If you work with me, you must have a signed agreement. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. All right, let's enter the understory. Remember, admission is free, but understanding always has a price. Let's light the lantern. What is up, Rangers? Those of you who are trapped in the understory against your will, and those of you who are in the understory on paper, on purpose, Wade Skalski here, the understory lawyer. All right. So uh, we are talking about uh, a topic that is, I would say, in in topics that are important for what I do in the top three, for sure. And that is the help trap. So what is the help trap? Well, I'm going to tell you a little story, okay? Okay. When I went out on my own uh, as a criminal defense attorney in the very, very, very beginning, uh, I had basically spent two and a half years in the prosecutor's office. I had done 40 jury trials. I had been in court pretty much every single day that entire time. I switched over to the appellate division towards the end, but still was was in court not every day, but a lot. And so what that meant was, is that I, you know, when you first start going into court, like your first few times as a lawyer... It's pretty stressful because you have all of this expectations for it from the movies and from TV and from books, because that's your only that's your only real exposure to it. Nobody goes and sits in it's a public courtroom, but nobody really goes and sits in there and just watches. And even if you do, you do it when you're a kid and some sort of field trip or something and you don't have you don't have any type of context to, to put it in. And so. The first couple times you go into the courtroom, everything is new, right? Like, where do I stand? What – I got to remember, oh, it's it's the prosecutor's uh, – the prosecutor's table is always closest to the jury because they have the burden of proof and um, – you know, and, and you want to make sure that you don't go in the well. What is the well? The area between the tables and the judge, right? And you don't, you know, you never go in that area. You always go around. And it's so you, you know, all these unwritten rules that you have to try to remember. And then they just become natural. And then after a while, you just ignore you just ignore them. And uh, especially when you've been in there every single day. And for 20 years. It's so and so you know but you can you can have that experience anytime you go into something new it has its unwritten rules and you've got a you're afraid of crossing them and so it makes you tentative right but once you sort of go in there a lot and you become super comfortable with the rules you don't really think about them at all they're they they sort of the veil of familiarity overtakes you and you don't even really have to be stressed out about the experience at all like i can walk into court right now any court federal court state court county court city court it doesn't matter any any level of court all the way up to now the Supreme Court of the United States would make me nervous uh, I'm not gonna lie to you about that and uh, I did file what's called a writ of certiorari to the Supreme Court of the United States and I was uh, able to say that I've done that and I experienced what 99% of everyone that files that does is it was denied however uh I did do it. I really don't really want to ever do it again because they purposely make it a giant pain in the ass for the formatting, so that they can just they can just say no to everything. Uh, so they just on formatting grounds like no nope, formatting. Don't even need to don't even need to look at the merits. You suck. Go away. So, but other than the Supreme Court of the United States, I'm not stressed out at all. And what happened was is what you'll what you'll figure out pretty quickly as an attorney that that is a trial attorney or that someone that's comfortable in court. Most people, if not everyone, is not comfortable in court, including other lawyers. I can't tell you how many times I have had civil lawyers call me up because they've got some court appearance or something. Uh, and they're like, what do I do? Right. Because they're just never in court. And even though they're like super high expertise in their paperwork and whatever it is that they do with stuff that would drive me want to kill myself uh, for what I do when you're in my world, that's a that's a different thing for them. Um And so what happens then is you start getting a lot of people that will call you and ask you for help. Now, this goes from lawyers, but you get a lot of just normal your friends, your your normal friends and frankly, your clients. So you'll have someone call you up and they'll tell you a story that's true. And in the beginning of your legal career, what you don't understand is that 10 percent of the population is responsible for about 90 percent of court appearances. So when someone calls you with a court, that they have a court appearance that they need help with, the rest of their life is typically not super dialed in. But because the only people that are calling you are people that need court appearances, you get this skewed vision that everyone's life is like this. Like everyone has some kind of, some kind of weird problem that, that, you know, and they have this explanation that where truth is stranger than fiction. And I can't tell you the amount of cockamamie, cockamamie stories I've heard which have been true, which, which I would bet large sums of money were made up. It's just, it's just, there's just a segment of the population, about 10% of the population, that just has really inventive ways to get themselves into court. But what happens is, is that they're, you know, they're under high amounts of stress. They're situationally possessed, especially the more normal they are in terms of if you get a normal person who is not, the life isn't all in tatters and they have to go to court, they're super situationally possessed. And just by the fact that they have to go into court. And what happens is, is that there's high emotion and you want to help those people. And, and what would happen is, so someone comes to me, I would quote them a fee and then, They would say, I don't have the money because typically most people who find themselves in court can't afford an attorney. One of the reasons that they're in court is because they're in financial distress and financial distress makes you do weird things. And so I would say, all right, well, what can you come up with? Because I wanted to help the person. And an interesting interesting sort of dichotomy happens there is that if you're going to bail someone out, and that's what the, the term, you know, bail them out is to put money in, put money up for them so that they can get out of jail. And then if they skip town, then they take your bail money, right? So the term bail somebody out, if you're gonna rescue someone, the arrest, the, a rescuer is in an elevated position. And then that person is seen more of like an authority. And so it's, it's almost like a kid going to a parent for help. And it triggers this natural help response, where it's like, shit, I really wanna help this person. And, you know, that is first. And then the money becomes second. And that's what I call the help trap. Right. Now, you may say, well, wait, but I'm not a criminal defense attorney and I'm not uh, an attorney at all. And I would never do that. And I would say to you, uh, I would have you consider the possibility that if you're in a nine to five, you're doing it right now. And the reason why you're doing it right now is because there's this idea of... There's this idea of loyalty to your employer, and I'm all for loyalty to employer, it is a real thing. You should have some loyalty to your employer. But just because you've worked somewhere for a long time and someone has paid you a check and and you feel loyal to them for that, just remember that you agreed to work there and they agreed to pay you. So as long as you hold up your end of the bargain, they will keep paying you. But don't think for a moment that if that business, and a lot of people are experiencing this right now, if that business is to experience financial distress, one of the most expensive costs in any business is labor. And so if you can cut labor and still remain profitable, it's it's in your short-term best interest to do that and 95% of business owners are operate on the short term because they don't have the skill set to do long-term planning because they're always in reaction mode, of, especially small business. And the loyalty to you is not going to overcome the person's loyalty to their family in order to feed their family they're they're not gonna go bankrupt so that they can keep feeding your family. They're just not. And I wouldn't expect them to. And so you're in the situation where you have this loyalty and that's a form of the help game where you're like, well, I, I'm loyal to this person and I don't know if I should go out on my own and go into the marketplace and use the skills that I've learned at this job to compete. And that that's that's a mindset that keeps you trapped. Because if if an employer is not investing in you if an employer is not helping you to grow out of your current position into a better position and you've been in the same doing the same thing and you're then you're just a cog in their machine and that's fine if you are in a find it place game where you're like, hey, I, I am super risk averse. I do not want to start my own business. This job is perfect for me and I like doing the same thing. That's different. But if you're an entrepreneur, you've got to you've got to understand that that's part of the help trap. You're helping your employer build their value ladder. And if you don't know what a value ladder is, you just need to know you're helping the employer build their business. And that's a trap for you as the entrepreneur. It's not a trap for you as a person who wants to be an employee, that's, that's fine, that's honorable. You're making an agreement and then in that case, maybe the loyalty thing does come into play a little bit more. But just like when someone comes to me and says, can you help me, I don't have any money. Your employer's coming to you and saying, can you help me? I don't have as much money as you want. It's the same thing. An employer is not going to pay you $1 more than is required to get you to do the, mat, the most amount of work that you're doing. They're just not. Why would they? It's not in their best interest in the short term. And 95% of employers are short term thinkers. And so you, you pay, a, you know, if you're a long term thinker and you want to invest in your, in your uh, employee, then yeah, you may pay them more, a, a better wage than you could get for someone that's less expensive, but you need to create the culture properly in your business and you need to let the employees know i'm paying you more because i have an expectation of you that you're going to use you're going to grow and it's an incentive to get you to you know you know increase your skill set increase your skill set stack it's an incentive for you to take more ownership of your position and for their position in the company and if you don't do that and you act just like an employee then they'll go find they should go find somebody else because you don't have a growth mindset and they're not they're not looking they're looking for um what is it called? Is it an employerpreneur, an employeepreneur, like, you know, an employee to grow within the business. And so that's a term I heard, which is describes what I'm talking about, but it's the help. You're in the help trap, man. And it's, it's the thing is the moment that you, the moment that you emotionally invest yourself in someone else's business, you're trapped. You're trapped because if you're emotionally invested in someone else's business, then you will logically find ways to stay there no matter what no matter what it's the same it's just every buying decision you've ever made in your entire life is the exact same thing if you go and you buy yourself a car that's kind of a fancy schmancy car that you don't need then you you know and you're going to tell to your wife oh i got this like this five series bmw and she's driving like a honda and she's like why did you do that and you said well i have to take clients around and impress clients and it gets amazing gas mileage and i can write it off for depreciation for the tax like all these ridiculous things where you are just like i just wanted to fucking drive around in a five series with a convertible on it because i always wanted to since i was like college that's the real reason but you 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 fight you logically then try to justify it to your wife your wife sees right through you but she forgives you because she loves you and not that i would do that I, I don't even have a vehicle right now i'm about to go buy a jalopy the uh i'm gonna get some kind of truck some kind of jalopy truck with a bunch of miles on it that i can just crash into things and, and not worry about that's my next purchase for a vehicle i'm not really a car guy uh, i have my own like camping i'm about to go into my camping gear buying spree again um, but, but look like you, you're playing the help, you're in the help trap. And I had this realization that once I realized that, that I was doing that with my clients, I was like, I have to change this because there is an infinite number of people who need help and help is it help is a really weird thing because like a homeless person needs help and you can help a homeless person by giving them $5, but that $5 is not going to change their life just like when a client comes to me in the in the criminal game and they are like hey I got a dy and I'm going to help them out and they're, they're not they're situationally possessed so they're they're not going to take any counsel from me that's going to change their life the only counsel they're going to take from me is to how to navigate the situation and they're going to promptly try to forget about me because I remind them of a really shitty time in their life and they don't really want to talk to me again because they know if they do, they got in trouble again. And that's not really um, that's not really a relationship I want to have with my clients. And I try to shift that relationship for a number of years where I was trying to help my clients, like counsel them, not just in their criminal case, but trying to get them resources so that they don't repeat offend and, and, and they're not interested in that. Not one of them, not one of them. So the parents of some of them were in- interested in that, the spouses of some of them were in- interested in that. But every single client, I can say almost every single one to a T, was not interested in anything for me other than what my skill set was to get them out of the problem that they were in or at least limit the damage as much as possible. And I was they were they were playing the find it games. How do I how do I find my way out of this instead of how do I make my way out of this? Right? How do I how do I transform? They're not looking to transform as a person to change, fix the problem. They just want to get out of the problem. And once I realized that, I realized it's not it's not their fault. I'm the, what I'm trying to offer them is the wrong offer because I want to serve them. I want to improve their life by serving them, but they want help. And so that's why I was, that's why the the one of two things happened. So I could help them, but then I would try to do it in a capacity to where uh, I was going into a time debt because it takes, it takes a lot more time to serve people than to help them. You can just help somebody by giving them $10. It takes you two seconds to do that, right? But if you were to help the same person, like a homeless person, and you wanted to serve them, and you would have to start to feed them meals and get them shelter, and then maybe figure out what their issues are, and then try to get them professional help, and then try to get them job, like that's so a serving someone. That takes a long freaking time. So I was trying to serve people that they didn't want it, they just wanted help, and I was undercharging even for the help because I was getting no massive time debt, and I was broke all the time. And this was a problem. And I had a real moral conundrum with this idea in terms of for the longest time, even express it outwardly because I was brought up in a religiously observant household. Part of the Christianity is that you know there's the idea of works in Christianity where you're supposed to help your fellow man and all of that. But I had it exactly backwards. You know, one of the parables in the Bible, and this is just if you, if you bristle at the idea of talking about the Bible, just look at it as a secular self and self help book. Okay, don't even worry about the metaphysical side of it. Just just there is self help in there that you could do completely secular a lot of benefit from it just happens there's a reason why the book has endured for a long time all right so let's be adults and um and if you're like me and you have a more divine divine view of it great right but we can get there both ways and so you know the, the there are there are parts of the bible where ideas of like casting pearls before swine and and what you what you reap you sow and or what you sow you reap and and the ideas of you know Doing things in a service way but Then also that there's like There are people who don't It's not that they don't necessarily deserve your help It's just your help would help them And the, the or I had the order backwards I was like I'm going to help a lot of people And then I will be able to Go into more of a serve mode once I'm wealthy And I had it exactly backwards You, you serve people in your business So that then you can then help people And there are different sets of people You can get wealthy serving people Servants get paid servants get paid and there's an agreement between you and the person that you're serving what you're going to do for them and I was agreeing to do all the wrong th- in my mind I was like I'm going to do this for them but my clients are all like no I want you to do this for me and so there was a disconnect there and I was broke all the time and I couldn't get any traction and I was like confused the entire time why and then I had this realization is that, is that the, 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 it's a help track there's because there's an infinite number of people you can help so you, you're too small especially by yourself. I was a solo practitioner I just run out of, I just ran out of payment plans. Everybody, you know, at one point people were like, I need I can do a $25 a month payment plan. Well, then you need to go get a public defender. You can't afford a private attorney because you will, you will go broke on $50 a month payment plans. will. it's wrong. It's the wrong type of client from their expectations of what they want from you and what you can do for them. They don't understand the situation. It's just the wrong, it's just the wrong client. It's a bad fit and it hurts you and it hurts them. And, and so then what I discovered was I was like, all right, so how do I get out of the help trap? Well, once you're in the help trap, you're, you have some momentum against the negative momentum. And so you can't just automatically, especially as an attorney, you have a caseload of, you know, I have a whole caseload of existing clients that are in this mindset that are all underpaying me. And then so I have this time debt. So what do I do? Right. I can't just fire all my clients because in that situation, once you kind of get a client in criminal law, you kind of have them unless there's like a, you have to stick with them until they fire you or there's a huge, like you have to ask the court to be relieved and that's kind of a pain in the ass to do and courts generally don't like to do it. So how do you, how do you get out of that situation? How do you get out of the job that you're in that you're enmeshed in that you're like, Oh shit, I'm in the help trap in my job. Right. And I've been this entire time of making all these reasons, logical reasons to stay. But the only reason I'm staying is because I'm, I'm in the hell trap. Well, there is a mindset shift and then there is a different place that you can go. And the mindset shift is the idea of you change the help trap to the help game, right? You ever heard the term? You got to play the game. Well, you do. It's like the political games. Like sometimes at work, you have to play the political game. You got to play politics. You got to you know you got to kiss the right butt sometimes uh, just to make just to make things go a little bit easier. Some people don't do that, but then if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be in the, you shouldn't be in the, in the find it place. You need to go make your own place. We don't have to kiss, but like me, I don't have to kiss anybody's butt. It's my Island. It's mine. It's my understory. You can't, you don't get to have my understory. I, I created it. It's mine. So you don't get to come into the understory, especially the understory lawyer, unless you ask me <laughs> and I don't have to ask anyone's permission to let you in. It's like you're in, right? If you're listening to the podcast right now, you're in. And And I don't have to I don't have to, you know, kiss anybody's butt because I'm shitty at that game. Right. But it's a game and, you know, it's a game. Game has rules. And that situation is then you have to understand, you're like, I'm in the help trap and I have to transition from the help trap to the help game. And then you gamify it. And you're like, all right, I, I have to keep playing this game for a certain period of time. But it's but games have an ending. Right. Baseball has nine innings after nine innings. The game is over. The help trap has no ending you're stuck in it forever it's like a vortex of of disaster you'll never get out of it you'll never get out of it 10 15 20 years will go by and you'll be like "Whoa, i really wish i would have started my business and you just had all these logical reasons not to because you were stuck in the health trap and so you have to gamify it and games have an ending games have an ending my friend and the moment you say I'm in the help game, then you know that there's an end, you get hope because you're like, Oh my God, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like I still, I'm in the help game now. Still, I just, I just put up, um, you know, I just had a really interesting experience yesterday where I went for a hike in the woods. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm starting to explore the first landing state park, which is our local park, which is literally right in the middle of the city. And it's part of my plan growth experience. I'm going to do a through hike. And, and so the beginning process of that is, you know, start tramping around in the woods, start getting comfortable in the woods again. And I'm sitting there and and uh, I was I've been working on my serve game a lot, not in tennis, but the serve game is is the you know, the people that I'm going to help. And actually I came to the realization that I'm not working it's not called the serve game, it's the serve path. It's funny, because the help trap has no end. You're stuck in it forever. The help game has an end. But the help game is at the end at the end of the help game is the serve path. And the serve path has no ending. So you go from something that has no ending to something that has an ending to something that has no ending. And if at any point the serve path that you're on, you don't like anymore, then it becomes the help game again and you transition to something else. And it's this endless loop because it's a process. And the lesson is is that, you know, the lesson is is that you, you have to make that mindset shift or you're never getting out. And in fact, I'd have you consider that it's selfish and actually it's kind of entitled. And what I mean by that is that if you are in the help game, then you think that you should be successful just because you're a good person. What? Wade, you're dropping some, that's deep, deep, deep undercover right there. Like, look, just because you're a good person doesn't mean you have any right to be successful financially. It's not how this universe is created. It's not. You don't get paid to help people, you get paid to serve them. I'm not saying don't help people. What I am saying is that if you want to get rich and if you want to be able to do what you want and, and serve your family, and if you want to be able to have the lifestyle that you want and then take big chunks of cash and throw them at, at people that you want to help, the only way to do that is to serve people. You'll never be able to do that helping people. If you think about a nonprofit, I mean, the laws are written for a nonprofit. It's not for profit. You're not supposed to make a profit. So if you're helping people and you you are confused as to why you're getting rich, not getting rich, it's because you're, you're entitled. It's because you think you deserve to get rich because you're helping people and you're a good person. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And the reason why I know that is because that was me. I was like, I'm helping all these people. I'm doing a really good job for them. I'm saving, saving their asses. And why am I not rich? Why am I not making money? And it's because I was in the help trap. And I'm not special. Nobody's special enough to, nobody makes money helping people. Not supposed to, you're supposed to help someone with an open heart, not expecting anything in return, because if you're helping people expecting something in return, then that's the kind of, it destroys the reason for helping people. The best type of help you can give to someone is anonymous. You expect nothing in return and for no one to know that you did it. I've done things in my life that I've done anonymously that nobody will ever know. My wife doesn't even know. And I I won't reveal them here and not to tell you that it's because I'm a good person, but it's because once I started to understand the difference between the help game and the serve game, I didn't really need anyone's to know about it because that's not the purpose of helping you don't market your help unless you're trying to get more people to help you help. And so maybe you're entitled like an entitled brat in the money game. I was big time. I was like, why am I not rich? I'm helping all these people. I deserve to be rich. Look at all the good I'm doing. So as a little egotistical when I was like that, just you know, and a little high flutin. And, uh, I tried to be more humble now because I realized what a dipshit I was about it. And maybe you are too. Did you just call me a dipshit? You're a listener. You might be, I don't know, but it's sort of like, it takes one to know one. So don't worry. You're not alone in there. I'm I'm with you on it. And, and I've gone before on this path and I can tell you there's nothing but ruin for everyone on it. If you are in the help trap, Because the people that you help will resent you because you have expectations of them secretly and subconsciously that they cannot fulfill. And they know that. So they hate you for it. Even if you help, even if they take your help, they'll resent you. If you give people help freely with no expectation of return, no expectation of marketing your help, no expectation of um, even things coming in from the side, then they don't hate you. They're just grateful. So then in that situation, you both benefit because you get the, there is a benefit. There is a psychic benefit to helping people. But there isn't a pecuniary one. There isn't a monetary benefit typically to helping people. And if there is, then the person that you help suffers. They hate you for it because they're situationally possessed by their by their scenario, their situation, and they don't they don't want you profiting off of it. And if you have an expectation that you should, then you're entitled. So don't be entitled anymore instead say oh I'm in a trap I need to get the fuck out of this trap I need to change it into a game because a game has an end I need to get onto the serve path because the serve path is a different the surf path is a different podcast but I can tell you from the very short time that I've been on it compared to the rest of my business life where I was on the, in the help trap it's awesome when you have someone that you've served pay you be genuinely happy for the service that you provide, and then provide value to you other than the money that you gave them, either in reviews or in they send you a thank you or whatever, it's genuine. And it is a, it is a sublime experience that you can get addicted to, and it's a good addiction because that addiction will feed your family for life. And you will serve a lot of people to help them feed their families. For whatever it is that they're trying to do and that is the beauty of an economic exchange that is the beauty of capitalism that's when it works properly the serve path is the end point for you in terms of what your goal is just to step onto the path it is the path of understanding So what I want you to do is take out your ranger field journal. If you don't have a ranger field journal, take out a regular journal. If you don't have a regular journal, for the love of God, go buy yourself a journal. But for the moment, take out your unicorn trapper keeper from the fifth grade, and I want you to write down help trap to the help game to the serve path. That's the framework of what you're gonna do. That's how you get out. That's the mind map for you to get out of where you're at right now if you're stuck in a nine to five or you're being commoditized by the gig economy. Or if you have a business that you've built that you hate, because then you can get in a business of the help trap of your own business. I've been there for a long time. The ultimate goal is to get on the surf path. It is the path of understanding. Just remember, there is no end to the path of understanding. If you are listening to this podcast and you are an online entrepreneur, I know exactly what it feels like to be you because I am one. I know what it's like to know that you are smart and work your ass off, but always feel like you cannot get traction. I know what it feels like to have your spouse support you outwardly, but on the inside, they're saying to themselves, is this going to work? And I know that you want to create something in business, but you always end up chasing the same dollar over and over. Or maybe you want to create something in the arts, but you feel like you shouldn't play there. So you wander in the forest, stuck in the understory. I spent over 40 years there, fighting the same monsters and bandits over and over. And when I discovered that if you learn what the understory is, and you start to go there on purpose, you can find a clearing where you have clarity and power in your commerce, connections, and creations. You handle the forest like a badass ranger with the proper mindsets and skill sets that you need. Not once chosen for you by some guru or your parents, but chosen by you on paper, on purpose. We can walk the understory together, but I cannot find you unless you raise your hand and say, I'm over here. Subscribe to my email list at understorylawyer.simplecast.com. Let's find your clearing together, a place free of entanglements, a place with a bedrock foundation, and a place where you set the boundaries, not anyone else.